Well, I'm Dave Householder, blessed to be your Bible teacher, and I just have to say to those of you watching from other places other than California, you're missing out. It's nice here. <laughs> the birds are literally singing out here, and spring is on the way. And it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. And yes, we have a celebrity baby here with us here today, too. <laughs> Sean, do you want to come up and introduce your daughter and uh, to everybody out there all over the world? Hello, I'm Sean. Um, this is our newborn daughter, Eliana Grace Comprager. Um, she's three months old now, and um, we actually are really interested in getting her baptized here um, before we take part on our journey to Idaho. Um, she's she's very very special, very wonderful little girl, and um, we're sad that she's not going to really get to grow up and know these wonderful people at this church who have been so wonderful and gracious to Heather and I and uh, through our journey and our marriage. But here she is in all her glory. Stay right here, Sean. The Comprakers are moving to Idaho, and what I would like everyone to do is put your hand in uh, her direction, and let's just uh, pray a blessing over her. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for this newest welly. We just give you thanks, Lord, for the gift of life and fresh new starts. We pray, Lord, that uh, uh, you would bless her with a long and abundant and prosperous life, that she would have more than she needs so she can give to others. We pray, Lord, that uh, that you would bless her with wonderful, loving relationships. We pray that you bless her parents with wisdom. We pray, Lord, that uh, she would find her path and run the, the race of life well. And... Uh, she might think she doesn't get to uh, be with us the rest of her life, but uh, she's stuck with us. We're uh, we're going to follow her no matter what, and we're just so blessed to uh, have her with us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's let's give a hand to our newest Welly here. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, as Tamara said, we have a new Alpha course starting, and the reason I'm sharing this right now is that uh, you may think those of you watching on TV that. You can't take part because you don't live here. Well, you can. It's our fourth Alpha course, and we've been doing Alpha North America-wide, Canada, East Coast to West Coast, four time zones, and you can take part. And the email, not the email, the URL, the website there, tinyurl.com, I do Alpha. If you go to that, everything you need to know is right there. We'd love to have you on our interactive Alpha course and make some friends all over the world. We're doing a sermon series on repairing broken signposts. And our theme for the year, Rebuild, Restore, Renew. Who thinks we need that in America right now? We need to repair some things. And as Jen was singing, uh, Hosanna, Jen and the team. Hosanna actually is from the Hebrew Hoshia Na. And Hoshia means save us. It's what you yell when you're out in the water drowning. Uh, if you're speaking Hebrew, you'd yell out Hoshia. And the Hebrew-speaking people actually pronounce their exclamation points, and they pronounce them by saying, nah. Nah, you put nah at the end of a sentence, and that's how they pronounce their ex exclamation points. So, hoshia, nah, means save us now. Uh, this is a cry to the Lord to uh, to rescue us. And there's never been a better time to sing a song like that. The Lord needs to come and make things right, and that is the good news of the Gospel of John, is that God is coming to make things right, and he came through Jesus, and he will bring to completion the good work that he started.
Repairing broken signposts, what does that mean? Well, there are words in the English language, and these words are like signposts. Justice, love, spirituality, beauty, freedom, truth, and power. All of them are major themes in the Gospel of John. And the challenge about these words is these words are not the things themselves. They are just signposts that point in the direction of those things. We talked about that at our prayer meeting this morning. What is love? Well, love is just a word that points in the direction of something that is really hard to define. You can't take a picture of love. You can't take a picture of justice. You can't scientifically do anything without these. uh, You can't do anything with these seven words scientifically. Science is fine. There's nothing wrong with science. But science has nothing to say about these seven things. And without these seven things, life is not really worth living. And these are seven things which are really hard to figure out what they are. We just have these English words that are like signposts that point in these directions. And we've gone through a time in our country where these signposts have been broken. And we've gone through things in our lives where these things get broken in our lives, where people treat us unjustly, where love falls apart, where beauty fades, where freedom is curtailed, where truth is fuzzy and spun in our culture and power is misused. And so we've been through all of the, we've seen broken signposts. And the Gospel of John, the message of the Gospel of John, is that we can repair with the Lord's help these broken signposts and we can move forward. We're following a book by N.T. Wright called Broken Signposts. As I mentioned last week, ever since Dallas Willard died in Los Angeles not long ago, N.T. Wright is now the smartest Christian in the world. So if you want to watch his uh, videos on YouTube, they are fantastic Bible teaching. There's nothing like it. He's a New Testament scholar unparalleled, and I got to meet him. I told you guys about that uh, last week because in my Forrest Gump life, I run into everybody. And so that uh, is just part of the way I operate. But today we're going to talk about love. And the problem with love is that all of us have experienced breakdowns in love. We've had people promise to love us and then they leave us. A vast majority of our congregation here in, uh, in Huntington Beach here, the local congregation, a vast majority of the adults here have gone through divorce. And it's been tough where you stand up in front of God and everyone else and promise to love each other forever and falls apart. And there has just been an awful lot of that in our lives. Virtually everybody, well, not just virtually, everybody suffers broken relationships with people who disappoint us, people who walk out on us, people we think we can count on and then we can't. And things go wrong. We we know what love is. And yet we experience a real broken form of it in this world very often. And if that hasn't happened to you, you're just not paying attention because it just does happen to us. You reach out to someone, you put yourself out there, as Matt was saying in the prayer meeting this morning, you put yourself out there and sometimes that works great and sometimes it doesn't. People ignore it. You smile, the person doesn't smile back. You you help someone out, they don't reciprocate. You make all the phone calls, they never call you. That kind of thing, and it's just part of life. And I would wager that of these seven signposts, this broken one is the one that causes us the most pain in life. And it doesn't have to be marriage. It can be family stuff, friendships, 
a boss you thought was your mentor fires you. You know, it happens to, <laughs> happens out there. It happens all the time. And we carry around an awful lot of scar tissue on our hearts from the things that have gone wrong. And we try to forgive those people. We try to move on. We try to pretend like it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. And love is just, uh, it's, it's also sentimentalized. I've done lots of wedding sermons, and I hope never to give one this bad. Uh, in The Princess Bride, I don't know if you saw The Princess Bride, but it starts out with marriage, marriage, and goes on and on about to love, to love, and it's just awful. But it's your typical, it's your typical wedding sermon. And you hear about all these platitudes about love and what it is and all these kind of things. And, and there's lots of distortions out there of love. And there's lots of failures. There's lots of songs about love gone wrong. In fact, virtually every country song is a song about love that has gone wrong somehow. And we remember that uh, that song, You Lost Your Love, was it? You Lost That Love and Feeling, whoa, 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 you know, that kind of thing. There's just, we've all been there where we feel we've got the short end of the stick in a relationship. And things go wrong. As with justice last week, we have an instinct that true love is of pivotal importance. Of those seven things that I mentioned, those seven signposts, this arguably is one of the greatest. And we hear that in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, and the greatest of these is love, faith, hope, and love. And love is the big important thing. We all sense that. We seek that in our lives. We go after things like that in life. And we sense that it's of pivotal importance. Yet if you ask five people what love is, you're going to get five different definitions. And there's two things we feel in our instinct. One is that it's important, and two, that we're not quite there, and we haven't quite experienced it. And it's, it's not quite the way it should be. I've given classes on relationships, and unfortunately, the people with the best marriages show up. Uh, the people who are struggling often don't show up or parent class and uh, all the best parents show up. You know, the people who are struggling don't show up. But we sense that this is really key. It's something we want to get better at. It's something that we would like to experience more of. We would like to give more love and we'd like to receive more love and we'd like it to be a whole lot less messy and less problematic. And we feel like somehow we deserve it, and we kind of do because God put us here to love one another. And we think, well, if that's what we're here for, why is it not going as well as I wish it would go? So let's look at John and love. The word is agape in John, which is virtuous and not sentimental love. It is a signpost that points towards a very high ideal, which we all know is there, and we all know our love doesn't quite measure up to, but we'd like to get a better score. If we're getting a 65, we'd like to get a 70. We'd like to experience more of that. And if we experience real love in our lives, and we all get little flashes of it, don't we? Sometimes from strangers. We'll get a flash of it from someone we're sitting next to in an airplane. Or, or if you're really down on love, just go to In-N-Out or Trader Joe's. At least they're friendly. You know, they, they, they smile at you. And see, folks at Kaiser do the same thing. There's this whole kind of smiley thing. At least it feels good because they, they reciprocate that. I once went to a, a Trader Joe's over here in the harbor, and I, the manager sits up in there in that little corner box thing. And I walked over to him. I says, how come everybody's so friendly here? 
And he says, grocery business is not rocket science. He says, we don't, we don't hire for experience. We don't hire for education. We hire for friendly people. I mean, think about that. And so there is that sort of thing that goes on in and out. It's the same way. You know, you're waiting two minutes longer for your hamburger. How was your day today? You know, they'll ask you. And you say, whoa, that's kind of nice. And we've all been to big cities, some of them back east where nobody smiles. And everyone's in a hurry and they're pushy and shovey. And Wendy and I lived in Chicago and downtown is that way in the loop where everything is just business, business, business. And there's there's no warmth at all. There's great things in Chicago, but not down at the loop on, on rush hour. So there's that sense of love being a key thing. And I can tell just looking around, I've got everyone's attention because this is something really important to us. We don't go through one single day without thinking about it, at least passively. I wish I could love better, and I wish people loved me better. And loving people is hard because, as Linda was saying in our permitting this morning, people have different love languages. There's uh, Some people really like hugs. Um, my guess is, is Dave McDougall here? I don't think that's your main love language, Dave. I don't think that if we all jumped up on you and hugged you, I don't think that that would be the best way to love you. So there, there's, we all have different ways of, we, we tend, most people think that other people need what they need. And this is the biggest marital problem, by the way, is people give the love language they would like to receive rather than the one the other person would like to receive. And knowing what another person likes and loves and what their love language is takes, it's an art. And you might get really good at loving one person and you might have a coworker that took you three years to figure out. And finally you start to get along. And then you then that coworker gets fired and you have to start over with someone new. And that's the way life works. You have to really work at how people receive love because people don't receive love the same way. Some people like affirmation. Some people like hugs. Some people like gifts of service. Some people like all kinds of different ways. And it's a maze out there. And we've all made mistakes giving the wrong thing to the wrong person. I knew one young man who, who brought flowers to his girlfriend in high school, and it, it made her year. And then his next girlfriend, he brought flowers, and nothing happened. And he was really disappointed because he thought, What's, I thought flowers would work. It worked last time. It didn't work this time. What's going on? And so it is challenging. Let's look at the Bible. John 13, 34 through 35. And this is only in the Gospel of John, by the way. The Gospel of John was written by an insider. Matthew, Mark, and Luke weren't. Jesus had three guys that he took everywhere. Peter, James, and John. If he wanted to raise the dead, Peter, James, and John would come along. If he wanted to go to the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. If you're going to go out to Gethsemane to pray because you're going to get executed the next day, who do you bring? Peter, James, and John. So John has the inside track, and he hears what Jesus is, what's really on his heart. And uh, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. <sighs> I went to seminary, and that's usually a mistake, but I went to seminary, and I got taught 
to dislike every other kind of church. And that's kind of what they do at seminary. They teach you a real narrow way of looking at the gospel or the Bible, and they teach you to put down everything else on the outside. I really think, and I'm a pastor, I really think if pastors got raptured, we'd have peace on earth. Because... (laughs) Because pastors are the problem. I mean, they, they're, they're always arguing for this kind of theology or that kind of theology, you know. And uh, uh, we had Sean come up here and says, we really hope to get our, our baby baptized. And we just immediately lost half of the pastors because, well, you can't baptize babies. You know, big argument over that. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, pastors. I just wish they would lighten up. And I do believe that's the biggest problem in the church today is disunity. And we don't have to agree about everything. We really don't. But to have one heart together in following the Lord and to be gracious with one another. I know pastors that are harder on other pastors than they are on Satanists. That's just wrong. Just splitting hairs theologically with all this stuff. And it keeps people from coming to church because they see us arguing about stuff. Like, what age should you baptize? Uh, What kind of communion cup should you use? That kind of stuff. Is there predestination? And people have gone over the tables fighting each other over predestination. Oh, that's just a whole other sermon. Let's move on. What you have right here, I've got a picture up, for those of you who can see it, of the 12 tribes of Israel during the Exodus. And they're all camped around what? They're camped around the tabernacle. The tabernacle is in the center of their community because God says, I want to dwell among you. And when I move, you move. When I stay, you stay. And you gather your community around God's presence, the tent of meeting, not the tent of disunity, the tent of meeting, where you meet together. So what has this got to do with this? Matthew 1, 22 through 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us, the tent of meeting right in the middle, God with us. Jesus was to be called God with us, dwelling in our midst, coming to be with us. And the essence of love is showing up for people and truly being with them. Who here has been with somebody who wasn't present with you? They're looking over your shoulder. They're looking at their watch. They're not paying attention. They're not present. Psychologists tell us that if you get through life with five instances of someone really sitting down and listening to you, you'll be a very lucky man or woman in a lifetime where someone really listens to what you have to say. And they're not just coming up with their own story while you're talking. You ever have friends that, I can top that, friends? You share something, and all they do is share another story about how they had a a similar experience, but a lot cooler than yours. And it just goes on and on and on, and it tells you they're not really what? Listening to you, not really paying attention. I still remember the one time someone really, really listened to me. I was dealing with health trouble. I was overworking. I was a new pastor trying to prove myself. And Dr. Randy Jacobs, who was my doctor, uh, I was having all kinds of respiratory trouble, and he had a whole waiting room full of people outside. And he pulls up a chair and sits down and says, 
tell me what's really going on with you. And after a half hour, <laughs> on and on, I just told him all the stuff that's going on with me. He paid for a vacation for me and Wendy to go off to Lake Quinault and take three weeks off. And he says, I'll cover the church. I'll take care of it. You just, <laughs> you need to rest. Well, he listened to what was going on and he was present. And so to be present with someone is a real key in life. And God shows us what it's like to love people. You can't love people just by yelling at them across the parking lot. We have to be present and show up with people and listen to them and pay attention to what they're saying so that we can be present with them. God's plan is not to snatch us away to live in heaven forever. God's plan is to dwell among us to dwell among us like the tabernacle, Emmanuel, together with us. I don't care what your end times view is. We don't spend eternity in heaven. The end of the book of Isaiah and the end of the book of Revelation have us on a renewed earth looking up at a renewed heaven. We're here on a transformed earth. We're not going to heaven forever. And almost everybody thinks the whole idea of being a Christian is getting your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven forever. Folks, heaven is just a temporary place to hang out until the earth gets renewed. No matter what your end times view is, everybody agrees on that, but we don't talk about it. It disappears. So what we want to look at here is if God wants to be with us in a renewed place, we need to be with other people too. We need to show up for them. Jesus coming to us, his being with us, Emmanuel, incarnation, enfleshment, the word becoming flesh, him show, God showing up, the creator showing up through Jesus to be with us affirms that instinct you have about the signpost, that love is real. And this is what love looks like. So we've got an example of what love looks like. It looks like presence. It looks like sticking it out. It looks like being there with people. This is a great phrase from N.T. Wright here. We find ourselves... If you really want to find out who you are, you don't find yourself by sitting on a rock and looking at your belly button. You find yourself by giving and receiving love. That's the deepest way to get to know yourself, is by giving more love and being better at receiving it. Who knows people that are terrible at receiving love? They just, they just can't receive it from you because they don't think they're worth it or they just want to keep you at distance or whatever it is. And so... If you really want to get at what makes you tick, get out there and love people and be willing to receive love from them. And you'll learn about what it is to be you. That's how we find out who we are. And we have an instinct that that's probably true to start with. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt. And the word is actually tented, tabernacled among us. John talks about, uses the tabernacle imagery of showing up and being present. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I'm going to show you an ugly picture of the devil. There you go. I don't think he really looks like that, but it's scary and it gets the point across. The devil, his main job is to keep us from loving. That's his main job. And he does it by telling a story which is a lie. It's the myth of separation. It's that somehow you, God's far away and he's not close to you. And the myth 
that other people don't matter to you. They're separate from you. And all, every single sin comes from believing the, sep- the myth of separation. We don't believe God's really with us, watching, being with us. And we don't believe that hurting another person is going to matter to us. And it does. We hurt other people, we hurt ourselves. And every single sin, every single sin, is a result of believing the lie of the devil that we're separate from one another and we're separate from God. What did he say in the garden? You guys better hide and clothe yourselves because, you know, the whole idea that God's far away. God's right there with Adam and Eve. And he tells them to do what? Run and hide because he's mad at you. The myth of separation. And that myth of separation is what caused them to sin in the first place. The devil put a wedge between people, between Adam and Eve and God. And next thing you know, they misbehaved. We always will. If you don't think God's with you, you're going to misbehave. And so am I. I don't have any stronger morals than anyone else, but I definitely believe God is watching. And that's kept me from a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble because I really believe that God is present. And I don't want to do anything that I wouldn't do if God wasn't present because I really, I really believe that he's there. Who thinks if we start to forget that God's there, we can do all kinds of crazy stuff? That's where embezzlement happens. That's where adultery happens. That's where all kinds of things get going because we don't think anyone's going to notice. And guess what? God notices. And the myth of separation, if I hurt that other person, if I go after my enemy and really let him have it, then it won't hurt me. But it does. It hurts us when we do that. So the myth of separation leads to the first two sins. The one is with Adam and Eve. The next one is with Cain and Abel. And Cain believed the myth of separation, that he could uh, hurt his brother. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. Folks, every other human being is one with us in the Father. Jesus prayed, make them one as we are one, because we are. Anytime we hurt another person, we hurt ourselves. And Cain believed the myth of separation and killed his brother. Every single sin you and I have ever committed is that, at least for a moment, we believed the, the lie of the devil that we're separate from other people. Who thinks there's a lot of that in the division in our country right now? The people that disagree with me don't matter. I can say terrible things about them. I can go after those people. I can let them have it, at least online. I'll tell them off. Folks, they are you in a way, and we are them. We're together, and we need to love one another not believing the myth of separation. Underneath the Greek word agape is the Hebrew word chesed, which is non-disposable, go the distance, love. And in John 13, 1, I just, this is a passage. I, I didn't know this was in the Bible. I've read the Gospel of John lots of times. I must have skateboarded over this, but this is just the coolest verse, especially how it ends. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, and that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Ace telos, to the end. That's what love is, folks, is going the distance with people even when they disappoint you. And having, having at least a handful of non-disposable relationships, people you don't walk out on, people that you stick with even when they're not pleasant. Oh, my goodness, this is, uh, it's, I am so blessed to be married to Wendy because 
I've gone through really rough patches and I've got somebody who sticks with me even when things get really tough. And we don't just need that from marriages. We need that from people who are going to be there for us. Or are we just going to walk out and uh, just be with people when they're nice to us? Up until the end. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and uh, share some music with us here. Here's some practicalities. Number one, Jesus comes to be present with us. Now, you've heard the phrase receiving Jesus in your heart, and you might have just taken that lightly, but I think that that's the key to love. And if any of you watching on TV or any of you here have not done this, we're going to pray out loud here at the chapel. For those of you who might want to pray this for the very first time, to receive Jesus into your heart and to receive his love. And by praying that, that's where it starts. We can't give away what we don't have, what we haven't received. So I'm going to invite everyone here at the chapel just to pray out loud with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I've experienced broken love. And my heart wants to give more love and to receive more love. I've believed the myth of separation, and it's led to sin in my life. And I invite you to come live in my heart, God with me, Emmanuel, to give me the love I need to give to other people. And Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to stick with me to the end, and I choose to do the same for you. In your name, amen. And if you've just prayed that prayer for the first time or just rededicated your life, talk to someone about it. The second one is to be present with others, to show up for people. Show up for someone this week. The Lord will put that person in your path sometime this week, and that person will have something that is really important to share with you. And there might be a waiting room full of people outside. Be like Randy Jacobs and sit down with that person and hear what they have to say and listen today and pay attention to that person. Reject Satan's lie of separation. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, I really believe that I am one with everyone and with you. Because Jesus was praying for that. And if Jesus was praying for that, then it's a very real thing. And I reject the lie of separation. Have some people you go the distance with. Now, you're not going to go the distance with someone that you just meet at the cash register. That's, that's Just be friendly with that person. But there's got to be some people in your life you stick it out with. And invite other people to be those kind of friends with you. Keep looking for Easter as the confirmation of our instincts. Jesus gave love and was rejected, as Tamara said earlier in the service. He was rejected and beaten and crucified. Now, he could have just taken his toys and gone home. Could have just gone back to the Father. But instead, his resurrection is showing us that he means business with love. 
showing us that love is worth fighting for. Love is worth going after. And the more you've been disappointed, the more you need to continue to love. I just invite you to pray with me. Lord, uh, everybody listening to my voice has been hurt. And we've been challenged. And we've experienced brokenness. And Lord, the devil whispers in our ear, don't risk loving again. Don't put yourself out there. People are bad and they're going to hurt you. Well, Lord, your son Jesus knew that people are flawed too, but he put himself out there. I got hammered for it, Lord, but uh, he came back on Sunday, on Easter. And that's what love looks like, Lord. When we're knocked down, coming back. And asking Peter, as he did, do you love me? Go feed my sheep. At the very end, after his resurrection, Lord, your son was uh, talking about love because he still believed in it. Even though hatred had nailed him to a cross. And a lot of my friends, Lord, sitting here and listening on online have been nailed to a cross a few times in life. I pray that they would receive the truth that you will raise them up like you raised up your son. Not just to live another day, but to love another day. Be with, be with us this week as we give it a try. And we pray this in the name of the great lover of humankind, Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand for the last song. We're going to sing this as an affirmation. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean. We've got love like an ocean in our soul. Let's sing we and our, okay? We've, we've got love like an ocean. We've got love like an ocean. We've got love like an ocean in our soul. We've got joy like a fountain. We've got joy like a fountain. We've got joy like a fountain in our souls. We've got joy like a fountain. We've got joy like a 
to listen to Jen and the whole worship team. That was fantastic. And today, you know, as we leave today, we're we're all walking in his love. We've all accepted and have that gift, that beautiful gift of love. And just thank you, Lord, that we can be good receivers and share it with someone today. Share it with someone as we go out and just experience that perfect love because his love is perfect so we thank you for today we thank you that we all have a blessed week and we'll see you guys next week amen Amen.